0: G'day everyone, Mike here, and welcome to another edition of season two of the Beyond Billables podcast. On the show today, I got to welcome my friend, James Dapashy. Now, a lot of you will know James from Coffee and a Case Note. He is a commercial corporate lawyer from New South Wales. He has an amazing following on social media because he's made super useful content, super valuable content with coffee and a case note and everything else he does and we go into that in detail we talk about his strategy we talk about how he's executed on it his journey in the law and what he's learned along the way james is a terrific guy and he has a great story to share he wants to see real change in the profession as well and we spoke about that especially in the second half of the episode i hope you enjoyed the show Rap music, horror movies, slow drip coffee, <laughs> equity disputes. James Daffishy, welcome to the Beyond Billables podcast.
1: These are a few of my favorite things. Uh, we just need some... Well, in fact, there have been a lot of brown paper packages tied up with string in lockdown, haven't there?
0: So, <laughs> someone has we... <laughs> sending them to you, mate.
1: <laughs> if we manage to combine all those, we manage to get somewhere... Yeah, look, it's a a rich and full life, um, Michael. And then, you know, with lockdown, some of the richness and fullness gets uh, translated into a different kind of richness and a different kind of fullness, as we were speaking about before. But uh, I try to keep things varied. And uh, 39 years in, it's going okay.
0: Well, Mate, last time we spoke was in a lockdown in 2020. Um, and, And that was talking more specifically about lockdown. But you know what? This is all about talking about you and your background. And I would love to go into some more depth on that. Obviously, one question I have to start with is you know, how do you manage being Australia's best known lawyer? Uh,
1: I don't, I realized recently. uh, I did for a couple of years. Jahan Kalantar Jahan, who I chatted with on a TikTok live the other day, I think has snatched the title. Like, I think. And I'm, and I'm happy to say that, you know, I was happy to claim number one spot for a while. Uh, Jahan, I'm expecting is going to be a future guest of yours, Michael, or if you're not acquainted, yeah. you'll get acquainted. Uh, and so for so long as I was, it was nice. <laughs> but one of the things about being the champ is that you got to acknowledge when, uh, when someone takes you down and it happened in the last month or two. And so while I was there, I managed it reasonably well. Didn't get quite as much sleep as any of us as, as, uh, as we should be getting, but that describes you and me and probably everyone listening as well. But uh, look, uh, it was good fun. It was, uh, it was a run I managed to uh, use to experience the contemporary internet in a way that I wouldn't have. And so it meant I got exposed to weird things like what TikTok dances were particularly like going off at that stage, how Clubhouse worked, uh, you monitor a YouTube comment section. And I'm still doing all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey, certainly.
0: So, mate, let's start from your legal journey um, mm. or even before that. So, um, you know, what were you doing bef- before law? Yeah. Because you obviously were a musician as well and, and did other things. So you take us way back, yeah. way, the, way the, back. <laughs> the, the
1: rough the rough plotted history um uh son of a mother and a father um and i've got a brother they're still together um mom and dad's and my brother's married and living in hawaii at the moment which is great uh i went to a high school one of those awful high schools that uh tony abbott's uh front bench uh is just full of old boys from my old high school so i went to one of those uh out of high school at university I did arts and some economics and I got some okay marks there and transferred into law uh, later. I did, I did what's called graduate law then, which I think is called a Juris Doctor now. But during that time at uni, I sort of branched out a little bit and started hosting radio. Uh, I started writing a lot of music reviews for a lot of different publications and I started making rap music and going in rap battles. And going in rap battles is something that sounds really cool on paper And I can assure you, particularly when they're Australian rap battles circa 2006, they are fairly, um, at least uncool (laughs) in practice. So it was a hobby I really enjoyed and look back on with great fondness. And so it meant that my journey, even through law school, was sort of informed by trying to think critically about the new music I was listening to, trying to engage with people who might be looking for a different experience when they're flicking through the radio dials. And trying to make music that made me excited and also try to be publicly mean to people in a rhyming way, which is uh, good fun as well. And so from there, going through law school, I never really thought I was going to be a lawyer. Like, funnily enough, my dad's a lawyer, his dad's a lawyer, and his dad was a lawyer. Wow. And so I was always like, I'm never gonna, never gonna do that, man. I'm gonna be a cool, you know, pop, pop music journalist or something like that. And then as I progressed through uni, I was like, oh, how can I combine coolness with the law? And I was like, right, I'm going to be a media lawyer or defamation or IP or tech or something like that. Um, then I left law school and none of that really sort of came together. And as time passed, I continued to write music reviews. Uh, look, uh, we had a few children, which, which always adds to the, uh, to, the, to, the, to the mental load, as we say. Uh, But through that all, I've sort of managed to hang on to some of those little hobbies and the way that manifests itself most these days is that my former radio co-host, who's also a great friend from high school, and I now co-host a weekly horror film podcast where, because I'm petrified of horror films and I cannot imagine ever watching one because they're too scary, he will sit down opposite me and read the Wikipedia plot synopsis and so his plan is to get me into horror films through very, very gentle immersion therapy so that I won't have to see the really scary Freddy Krueger jumping out from someone's dream or whatever. I can just hear the anecdote. And so by way of plotted history, yeah, a bit of high school, bit of uni, a bit of rap and music in there. And um, here we are, 13 years deep into a legal career, another 30 years to go, I
0: reckon. Oh, goodness. That's a long time <laughs> to think about, man. Coming out of uni, though, I mean, obviously mm. you had these ideas of, media music IP but you ended up becoming a disputes lawyer essentially what was you know how did that come about I think
1: it's uh, because of the sort of advice that I expect you would have given a number of times Michael because um, you know when you get to fourth year uni you're going oh what am I interested in what am I good at oh no you know what am I going to specialize in and what a vast majority of successful lawyers, and when I say successful, what I mean is happy, happy lawyers uh, say, uh, is that your specialty tends to come and find you. So um, I am quite literally a corporate lawyer. And if you told me at age 25 that the word corporate was going to be a very literal description of what I do, I would have been fairly disappointed, I'm sure. But um, what I found sort of drip, drip, drip over time was that by hook or by crook, the early work I did was disputes work. And I was okay at that. And I would have done any sort of disputes work aside from family or crim, because dealing with the consequences of a crim matter going wrong is serious and dealing with the consequences of a family matter going wrong is serious. And I sort of am not the right person to take on that degree of care and anxiety for outcomes for my client. Yeah. And so over time, that sort of civil litigation approach just got narrowed. And then about three years ago, I thought quite carefully about like, right, I seem to be okay at some of this, what's my favorite? Um, And what would I like to be really good at? And what would I like to really focus on getting better at? And that was the corporate disputes I was having, the sort of shareholdery directory disputes. And so from about three, three and a half years ago, I just got more and more focused at making sure There were no decisions handed down that I hadn't read and understood. Um, There were no clients coming in that I couldn't help in probably a more efficient and more effective way than the people who are out there in the marketplace competing with me and trying to give myself the best chance to be the person uh, who's well-placed to run, shareholder-y, be trustee trustee-beneficiary-type disputes in the marketplace. And uh, spoiler alert, it's going okay. It hasn't failed yet
0: <laughs> uh, is, I guess, the position. Well, mate, what was the catalyst for that, though? Because I find that interesting, you know, we, did you have mentors you were speaking to or was it something that felt natural to you? Because there are these po- points of our career where we reflect back and then have to plan forward and so i'm interested in in because obviously it's quite a important reflection and inflection point
1: Mm. yeah i think with the passage of time it's got a bit blurred and so i'm i'm grateful for the chance to sort of reflect on it um even having left law school i was always keen on being the person who gave the internal cle like I'd get really pumped up and spend a lot of time on the paper and really want to sit down at the lunchtime internal lawyers meeting that no one else cared about except me to be like, all right, team, this is how defamation works. And you know, my poor colleagues, I would take up probably like 55 minutes of the full hour, hand them out a paper, direct them to different pages in the paper and like send follow-up questions. It must've been deeply irritating uh, and insufferable, but it's always appealed to me. And then through the years, um, I was lucky in that some external service providers like CCH had me talk to their accountants when I was only three or four years out. And um, then just some sort of CLE pro- providers would be happy to let me go and blather on at some event somewhere to give a bit of legal training. And that had always appealed to me um, as had trying to contribute to the, whatever law firm blog or law firm website I was employed at. And so um I had a bit of a background as a junior of someone who didn't quite understand where marketing fit in the law firm, but sort of appreciated that other people thought it was important. (laughs) And so, as time passed, um, I arrived at this view, uh, and 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 I think I can focus down on the timing a bit more now to say, come twenty eighteen, I was elevated, um, uh, promoted, uh, a big matter I had settled, and so I had a tiny bit of time on my hands, and a feeling that. I was now more or less responsible for feeding myself, for bringing in my own work. And while that's sort of suboptimal um, to jump from doing work for other people to feeding yourself, it is pretty much the, the law firm progression. And there is that sink or swim moment where um, I tend to call it a special counsel moment. And, um, and I'm a special counsel as we speak, so we'll have to see how the special counsel test's going. But um, generally, that shift from Doing other people's work to trying to bring in my own was one I addressed by maintaining that um, publication of legal knowledge approach, but moving it to LinkedIn. And in 2018, observing that other people were doing videos and coming to the view of saying, look, I think I have the skill set, which is sort of this background in radio, um, background in MC battling, which requires you to not break your external mask while panicking in your head and try to organize your thoughts really, really quickly. And I thought I had enough basic legal knowledge and the ability to stare down the lens for three and a half to five to seven to 10 to 12 minutes without blinking uh, metaphorically speaking, of course there's blinking, but um, remaining in the train of thought for that amount of time and delivering a piece of legal content that I hoped was two things. Firstly, rigorous, so legally correct, really, you know, working through the law in a technical way and also what I call approachable so hopefully uh, people can understand you know when you're dealing with things like whether a company in receivership uh, you you know uh, allows derivative actions due to the inherent jurisdiction of the court or due to section 236 of the Corporations Act that's quite a fiddly question but I considered I had a skill set that gave me a good crack at being able to discuss technical issues in an approachable way. So that was about 2018. Michael, interestingly, that was about when you and I met. Yeah. And and at that stage, it was a bit of a fun hobby. So, you know, sort of a work-related hobby, if I can put it that way. And I didn't quite understand how it fit into building a practice. I just knew that apparently, you know, legal websites telling people about the outcome of cases was good. Apparently, doing stuff on video was good. And so if I was telling people about the outcome of cases on video and kept doing it, hopefully that'd be good. And as time passed, people said nice things. And I think more importantly, I just kept doing it relentlessly week on 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 week. Uh, I also leveraged it pretty efficiently. So gradually expanded into YouTube, into podcasts, onto Instagram, onto Twitter, onto Facebook, uh, with thanks to your invite onto Clubhouse, uh, onto TikTok, importantly. And we sort of come to today where that approach of trying to be le- technically legally correct mixed with interpersonally approachable on the internet has come to be a pretty fundamental and important part of how I get clients, get punters through the door.
0: Yeah. Mate, that's a, a great a great synopsis and, and, and background. I, I guess thinking about coffee and a case note, um i I also like the fact that a lot of time we learn from doing as well so it, it it makes a lot of sense and i think a lot of people approach content sometimes just from a pure sales and marketing hat and pure sales hat and i see it all the time they divide up this is the marketing bit over there for the law firm and this is the you know bd and relationship bit and this is this bit and where actually a lot of the content is the learning aspect it's experimenting by making the content now um you know you might not even put it out um but even articulating it is learning for you and you're actually become a better lawyer by saying it and by making the case note and that's one of the aspects of which people miss and i think especially in professional services and especially in law when on, you know, from a personality perspective and, and a lot of things, are, you know, a lot of people like to see things in silos um, instead of being interconnected. Um, and that learning aspect makes a hell of a lot of sense. You were that associate running around because you wanted to learn, you, you know, and well, that's what I, I would see anyway. And mm. to learn, you needed to articulate it. and And now, and then you realize that articulating it could actually help other people as well and build trust through that.
1: I completely agree. And, and, and it sort of works in two ways that, you know, these are all cases I would have read anyway, right. If I wasn't doing an online quote, quote, marketing project, but the fact I'm doing an online quote, quote marketing project is that as I'm reading, I'm also doing the analytical process of thinking, right. I'm okay to read 600 paragraphs and take however long it takes to read 600 paragraphs of a fairly complex judgment. But if I'm going to communicate this in less than six minutes, you know, what is the heart of this? What is the meat of this? You know, if I'm going to read 111 paragraphs of valuation evidence, how do I describe that in a sentence? You know, and that um, sort of almost like journaling, like I don't keep a journal, but i've I've almost realized that these case notes that i sometimes type up are more or less me recording what i've taken from these cases um the more of these fact patterns i'm not only reading but also processing and then communicating and then answering questions about because people have questions allows me to refine my approach to how legal decisions are handed down and frankly how judges think and so you know those bits of advice you used to get in law school of like, oh, think think like a judge, approach things like a judge, did not make sense to me for about 10 years until I had read the, you know, <laughs> the appropriate number of judgments, whatever it is, 100 or, you know, 200 or 500 or whatever it is, and had gone through them in such a uh, communication-focused way so that each thing I read, I force myself to understand and then force myself to reflect on what's the easiest way to communicate what the judge is saying here. And the best way to get to think like a judge uh, is to read the thoughts of judges, (laughs) which are published, you know, reams and reams of them published daily. And so that process of uh, engaging with fact patterns and law that are going to be relevant to my current and future client base, and then processing the problems that other parties in the position that my clients have faced, and then processing the thought processes of judges who deal with those problems necessarily means that I'm just refining, refining, refining my expertise. And there was a time when um, I thought of myself in practice as like the scariest, baddest monster out because you might beat me this year, but next year I will have learned a hundred more things and rah, look out. And now I think of myself as almost the opposite of I will try to teach you and tell you everything that is in my head, uh, and I'm going to be as approachable and open to going back and forth with you as possible. Because the moment I close my mind to being wrong, sorry, yes, the moment I close my mind to being wrong is the moment I stop learning stuff. Yeah, and so that that shift also happened in about 2018 of not being like, yeah, I know it and I'm right, into like, hey, I think it's this because of this. And if I find out that I'm wrong at either point, great. I've learned something. Yeah. And so it's been not not merely a siloed marketing piece, as you rightly raise as a problem, Michael. It's also been a fundamental professional development piece as well. And I'm deeply grateful for both. It's also fun, I should say, for anyone uh, who's thinking about it.
0: Absolutely, mate. So I guess you started in 2018. When, when did the penny drop in terms of, uh, this is interesting. I've got something here because then I remember early on you talking about your your strategy. I think we were having a beer in yep. Sydney or Melbourne. Actually, Melbourne. We're
1: having a beer there. in Melbourne.
0: Yeah, and you were outlining the strategy, and I thought, "Wow, this guy has got it together. He's got a strategy." It's you know. <laughs> so when did that penny drop, man?
1: Yeah. So I like, for, I can actually put put my finger on the time quite quite clearly. So about May 2018, I started doing written case notes on LinkedIn, and then LinkedIn only allowed you to publish 1300 characters. So even 1300 characters is quite short for a complex judgment. So even that that process was good. Then it was September, 2018, that I did my first coffee in a case note and I had the uh, privilege slash problem of the first one blowing up. And the first one got about 11,000 views and 180 likes on the first day, which was early LinkedIn numbers, right? Early LinkedIn content publisher numbers. And I was like, "Oh no, how am I going to deal with all the new work coming in? And of course, <laughs> zero work came in. <laughs> and you know, the lesson there was you can ignore all the vanity metrics and you just and, and you just go and go and get on with it. And by the time you and I spoke, which I reckon would have been May 2019, when I was in Melbourne for a conference and you made some time to chat with me, I was trying to align this weird project that people were excited about, hey, yeah, doing case lines lines in a video, it's great. With the fact that it hadn't really brought in much substantial work, but I had a feeling that it would in future. And so the strategy that I think I would have run by you then, Michael, would have been to say something like, I want to bring in one big matter a year and I want to bring in, hopefully, you know, a, a lot more medium and small size matters and the way I'll bring them in is that over time, people will have formed a relationship with me because they will have seen my face explain something to them or heard my voice explain something to them over time so much that we'll have a bit of a relationship. Then when they've got a problem that rings a bell, they'll feel much more comfortable calling me because they'll understand I have the expertise. And they'll also feel that we have a relationship because I will have taken the approach. There's those two prongs that I really like of being rigorous and of being approachable. And so my hope is, my my hope then was that's going to work and my experience now three years in which just feels mad to say it's almost three years to the day that i recorded the first video um is yeah it works and in part it works for that reason you raised earlier mike which is um i've got the knowledge at my fingertips as well so it's not merely being a nice guy who uploads some videos it's being someone who the chairman of your firm can just drag into a teleconference with no notice and be like, look, we have someone who understands the law right here. Um, James, here's the position. Can you comment right now? And my answer is yes, I can, (laughs) because I'm in command of the law in this area to the extent I'm not here, are the exposures that I can then just go look into. So it's that combination of humility and confidence you get from diving really deeply into your subject area which is a longer answer than I intended to give to your question I, Michael I, I, but I'm grateful I, for it
0: I remember the conversation and I remember telling you as well just it takes time yeah and actually and you me. went and your consistency is and your you know the volume that you've been able to do is something I look up to I think it's just absolutely brilliant mate and and the you know because consistency and time people So many people have said to me, I'll try this. I'll do one or two videos and we'll see how it it works. And I think to myself, you know, it's not magic beans um, Mm. that you just chuck there and then the the tree grows and you, you know, climb it all the way up the bean store. Um, It requires, you know, constant work, but that's the the opportunity,
1: yeah. This leads back to the Jahan Kalantar point, right? Jahan, who I shouted out earlier. So I'm delighted and happy to take that praise, Michael, because, you know, I put in a year and a half, two years, like day to day to day to day to day to day to week to week to week to week to week week engagement on this process and started seeing things happen. And, you know, by the third year, there's a degree of this is growing up and my weekly-ish videos are now fortnightly-ish down to about, you know, I'll probably only get 20 out this year, which is not really the sort of weekly goal. And the reason Jahan is now, to me, uh, wearing wearing the crown of getting content out is that volume point you wisely raise that now my volume, the way I made it is to be like, Hey, remember this old thing I recorded two years ago? There it is. <laughs> <But> that's
0: okay, <laughs> and, mate. That's okay. Yeah. I would say though consistency is about actually consistency, not volume per se. Yep. Like we all aspire for volume and that's mm. you know, quality and volume. And, and that's what, because you want to make the best of the opportunity in front of you. Right. Mm. Like, um, but consistency is not necessarily volume. And I've seen that myself. Like mm. I couldn't stay consistent putting out the volume of things that I did for, for two and a half, nearly three years. It was a mm. similar kind of time for me. Definitely. So this year yeah. took a step back. And what I think people find is then you find another rhythm Yep. works for you and you're a more senior lawyer now and and so you'll find another rhythm that works for you and and I guess to my point about the longevity though and I would have said it at the time and I even understand it more now mm. is that James in five years time people will still be talking to you about coffee in the case name, whether you do another one or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In ten years' time, they will. And and there's actually this value, this in you know in inherent long term value in the brand stuff. And I'll tell you how it plays out with it plays out with all of us, right? Like mm. you would run into friends who remember you as the rap battle guy.
1: Yes, okay, yeah. And they'll yeah, bring
0: that. that up, even though you haven't done it for X amount of years. Mm. I still people ask, you know, I'm the lawyer guy. I'm like, I haven't been a lawyer for like 16 years, you know? And, and so brand actually, and, and that actually, you know, it, it it's valuable over a long period of time. Um, and it can take that much time for things to roll. And I guess also in what you've seen and a lot of people have gone through because you have to learn yourself. And we talked about this um, off, off microphone, but mm you know, the content, the branding, the social media, it's, it's a opening a door. Yep. It's giving yourself an invitation. It's building trust so that you can have a conversation, but it is not sales in and of itself in professional services, business development, really good skills, with business development, having a good sale sales process, mm. having a good follow-up process, being, you know, client experience, um, all of those steps, it's not just about doing something and sitting back and waiting for the work to come in. And because I think that's the misnomer, especially if you want to put, you know, content and marketing in a silo over here, which is called lead generation, then you expect it on its own to generate the ROI, right?
1: This was the impatience I had when we spoke in 2019. Like, and again, it's, it's the sort of thing where you'll find your clients who are like six or seven videos in perhaps your, your good clients. And you'll be like, you'll say, great, love these videos. And they'll go like, Mike, each one takes me X hours to prepare for. And then I've got to go answer the comments. And then I don't actually get that many likes. And then like, when's the work come in? And the answer, and your answer is, I don't know, but it's coming.
0: (laughs) My answer is that even if only 20 people saw it, that's 20 Mm. coffees you didn't have to have. Mm Mm-hmm. It's duplicating your time and this is where the the um, how everything is so interconnected and an understanding of just how interconnected your, your content is with your business development mm-hmm. and other things because it allows you to reach more people so you don't you still have to do those things you just yep. don't have to do as many or when yep. you do them the, the person knows who you are. And, yep. and, and so your conversion rates are, are a hell of a lot higher. Or at and least so, you've, got the oh, sorry, go, go. you've got the opportunity. Like mm. for me, in life just generally, mm. you know, it's about opportunities. I always saw getting good grades at school as giving me options. And then when I went to uni, I wanted to get the best grade. I didn't know if I wanted to become a top tier lawyer or a lawyer or anything. But I wanted mm. the freaking option, man. And Mm -hmm. then and then in life, even now with the podcast or with content, it's yes, I want work to come of it, but I just want those doors open. Yeah.
1: Yep. And like and there's no one who wouldn't answer, like in my experience, my call pretty much. I might have to add an extra step, but but in law for like, you know, I might have to reach out to someone to be like, Hey, can you just tell Blogsy that like she or he will be having a chat with me? Cause you know, I've decided we should have a chat. Yeah. And there's a degree where, um, because you have served people, because you've shared so much and, and often taught them so much, um, they're delighted to, you know, like, yeah, yeah, of course, man. Thanks for, you know, thanks for the chance to attempt to repay you that favor. Um, if I can pick up on another point you wisely make about um, you will still have to go out and have coffees, but you can sort of, there is an opportunity cost. So, so to me, the model I've always got in my head is the golf day. Right, which must be like six hours. I've never been on one, never want to go on one. It must be like eight to 10 to 12 hours, right, sacrificed. And if you go on two per year, that is like 1% of your billable year you are spending on the golf course with like three people who might not send you any work. And I completely get the golf days lead to work. That must be true or people wouldn't do them. And smart people do them and people who I'm in business with do them. So congratulations, but what I have in my head is that for me, I can spend eight to 10 hours more effectively and leverage that eight to 10 hours better than walking around a golf course with people. I already like (laughs) who already like me saying, well, isn't it nice that we all like each other. And so that's not to have a dig at golf days or have a dig at coffees or like I, I myself used to do a lot of networking of going out for two or three beers after work and then shuffling off to, you know, go home and have dinner with the family or or whatever it might be. It's not to say anything is better or worse, but it's to bear in mind that each has an opportunity cost and that I say using the internet in the way I do and the way you do, Michael, you you can leverage your time so much more effectively and you can turn the waiting for your coffee in the morning or your four months in lockdown running a homeschool, in my case, (laughs) into... Um, time you can also leverage to build your legal practice, build your professional services business. And yeah. that's something a golf day can't do, um, which again is not to say golf day stink, but in my head, you just join the WhatsApp group to go, oh, can't wait till we have a golf day. And that's about the extent of, of, what, of what I'd be able to do if that were my strategy. Whereas options, as you rightly say, are available to you and available to me because we are making use of the contemporary internet as part of our strategy for building our professional services businesses.
0: Well, and look, if the golf day is part of your strategy and somewhat it is for me, like events and in-person things are for me. I always say, if I go to a a room, an event full of people, I I generally walk out with a new relationship and Mm. I will generally get some work, right? Mm. But it makes so much more of a difference if the people know who you are before you go to the event. And actually- I don't like networking events, James. Last no time, one does. I, I, I actually I don't mind holding them myself because I get to serve people and I mm-hmm. really love that. But going to a random networking event, I actually went to one on the Gold Coast earlier this year for my accountants. And after the presentation, I went to the bathroom and I texted my wife and said, "I'm just going to hide in here yep. because I didn't know anyone in the room." Yep. And so and you look at someone's cars- name
1: tag and you go, "G'day, Michael. How's?" Beyond Billables going this year. Oh, having a pretty good year. Great. How's
0: James Concreting going?
1: Oh, pretty good. Well, great. Great to and meet that's
0: you. That's tough. But mm. as opposed to if you go into a room and you've got some kind of profile in the industry, it actually mm. makes life a lot easier. People actually come to you or they're like, yep. oh, yeah, of course I know your podcast. And it's, it's, it's a nice little icebreaker for yep. every everyone. Um, so even if that is your strategy, you 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 want to be doing the things that are going to give you the best opportunity within that environment, 100%. and that's that's where the you know the opportunities exist. I guess, mate, you know what what's been the biggest struggle though for you because it's not easy putting yourself hmm. out there.
1: Uh, look, the same for oh, I was going to say the same. That's a little bit arrogant. Um, it's a struggle that others with the same personality as me would have doing the same project, which is time. Um, and there's a degree of snobbery for me um, about allocating time to real work versus allocating time to marketing. Yeah. And so in my head, it's been doing that dance of being like, oh, no, no, hang on. I wouldn't have this very exciting real work to do, which I'm excited to do. If I didn't make sure that I got at least a couple of TikToks up a week, or if I didn't make sure a month didn't go by without me summarizing a new case, or if I didn't come and sit down to chat with Michael, like if we just get a bit meta, the reason I'm really excited to talk to you now, like Michael, we only set this interview up about a week ago and you're like, Hey man, I know you're busy. Should we talk in October, November? And we're recording this in early September And that was a very classically empathetic thing for you to do, Michael, which is really consistent with your personality. And it was a nice test for me to be like, oh, got a couple of hearings coming up. Oh, shit, billables weren't great in August. I want the team like marching on. I'm really great to put another 15, 20 grand on the numbers we got last month. And of course, I wouldn't have, (laughs) I wouldn't have a practice of the kind I have now if I hadn't invested the time in attempting to build relationships. And so it was actually a really healthy microcosm for me to be like, no, no, if it's okay with you, maybe you kindly made the time. You know, to sit down and say, no, no, let's make sure I'm maintaining the relationships I've built and having conversations that interest me, where I get to sit down and reflect on the practices, Michael. You're 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 employing in your business, the ones I'm in my business, I'm applying in my business, and so that I can think. In that sort of on the business versus in the business sort of frame of mind. And so that's the biggest challenge I've had is that degree of snobbery about, and especially as I'm a litigator, and I don't know if it's the same for transactional lawyers who like to feel like business people anyway. As a litigator, there's a really bright line between I am drafting pleadings, I'm taking instructions, I'm writing a letter versus like, yeah, I'm gonna read this case, I'm gonna do a LinkedIn post about this case going to do a little TikTok about this case <laughs> there's a bright line and balancing that is a challenge i found
0: mate it's it's not reserved for lawyers by any stretch <laughs> of imagination anyone who's a practitioner of what they do likes to be doing the, the work to some extent mm. um, i get lucky because i get to practice while doing this so that I can learn the lessons to help my my clients. So there's a really great overlap there for me. Mm. And I've always approached it as a practitioner, Um, but I completely relate to that. Sometimes I'll go home and say, will be like, what did you do today? And I'll rattle off all of these meetings and this and that, but I haven't felt like I've done anything because I haven't produced this, you know, I don't know, Outcome. This receivable, is, yeah, yeah. Deliverable, is, deliverable, you know, deliverable, yeah. right? Mm. And she's like, "No, no, you did all of that." And so I think <laughs> we all find ourselves, yeah, questioning the value sometimes, mate. And yeah,
1: I had so many coffees. Oh, you wouldn't believe the nice comments I got on my TikTok about you know Donda versus Certified Lover Boy. People were, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I guess on that though, like the positives mm. and. And, and more specifically I guess the platforms mm. where where do you think you get the most impact
1: um, I'll start I'll yeah. start with the positives which is control um, I get to control the narrative about me and my practice what I'm good at what I'm bad at sort of people I go into business with the sort of way I approach my business and um, being able to control uh, what is said about me, Uh, And what I'm saying about me is a massive plus um, because I can form my own strategy and execute it. And then when it comes to the platform's point, what I find interesting, and and this is harking back to the kind invitation you made to me earlier this year, is that you'll have what we might speak of as pretenders is a bit harsh, but I I think clubhouse is on the fade. But, but, But you'll sort of have interesting pretenders, your clubhouses, your vines pop up that you'll go and check out. And for a time, they'll be diverting and interesting and engaging. Um, but I think the platform that is there for the long haul uh, is TikTok, even though the numbers are now, as you will have experienced, are not what they once were. And then LinkedIn, even though the numbers now are not what they once were. Both, both of those platforms have reached maturity, but I can't see it. And sorry, and then podcasts. Where again, (laughs) as you will have experienced, the numbers now are not what they once were. And it's those three that I think um, are how I consume media. And it's those three that I think my um, sort of professional-ish client base consume media. And so it's those three that I'm most interested in. And the one I get work from most is TikTok, easily. Really? And what's what's interesting is it's pre-qualified work. So TikTok is, of course, designed for the time poor. um, Sorry, designed for. TikTok, of course, yields huge dividends for the time poor. It allows you to spend 90 seconds on it and have watched six or seven very interesting videos. And then you can go away and you cannot check it again until tomorrow. And if one of mine happens to be in the six or seven, great. And if that happens for a year, then you and I all of a sudden have a fairly deep relationship where I've been popping up on your phone, maybe saying something funny, maybe saying something interesting. And then again, if you don't like what I have to say and don't find it interesting, I won't be popping up on your phone. So I'm only there saying hello to people who already want to hear from me. And the huge benefit in that is that people come pre-qualified. And so people will be like, yeah. I remember that time when you said, um, you know, your charge out rate is, you know, 600 bucks an hour or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I need you to go read all this stuff. Um, can you just tell me how, like, how many hours you reckon it'll be? And so you skip the sales pitch of <coughs> sitting around saying, um, Oh, look, I'm actually pretty good. And yes, I've got some experience in the area. And, you know, we might use this member of the team or that member of the team and I'll give you a cost estimate. People come in and say, look, could you please get to work as soon as possible? Because I'm in the middle of something you talked about the other week. And so TikTok as the first source of those pre-qualified matters, LinkedIn number two. Um, But what's more interesting is that it's, and this proves you correct again, is that it's actually professional networks that have become open to me since I've started doing the online marketing that have been the most reliable source. And so it's the, the complementarity between online content publishing and in-person hand-to-hand combat coffee sipping um you you know catch up for a wine over zoom type stuff
0: mate um that tiktok bit is amazing like i knew tiktok was just incredible when i jumped on for the first time and i then downloaded i signed up for someone's podcast just off my first time with tiktok i know the kids had been on there um and I checked it out, but it was all—it was kind of like coming out of music <laughs> at this at that stage. Mm. And it was—it hadn't started to age up. And then yep. I got into it, and I found comedians. And then I just jumped into some podcasts. And then suddenly, within about a week, I'd listened to ten shows of someone I'd seen on TikTok once. And I'm like, "Uh, mm, this works. This TikTok yeah, yeah. work." <laughs> what I'm interested with you and TikTok <clears throat> is, um. How how do you ideate around the ideas? Because yep. you you do a lot of Q and A, which I really yep. enjoy, and I'm actually keen to steal when I've got some time because I love yeah. that as a concept, man. Um, and but yeah, how do you come up with the, the ideas? If I can answer the last thing
1: first, the Q and A is great because it requires no prep, and so I can publish a TikTok right. Now. Oh, should we like? Should we do something meta? Why don't why don't why don't we just do something stupidly meta? Just just while we're here, um, and this is a meta thing. It's meant to have me describing how easy it is um, to make content. So Gusick, this is Gus, a follower, has mentioned me in a comment, who's asked, um, did I hear about, uh, did I hear about Fairf- Fairfax and Volat today? So that's a defamation decision. So um, look, I'll just start recording this TikTok, Mike. I don't know if you want to wave back there. Um, but yeah, look, I've quickly looked at the High Court and Vola, and um, I actually did a coffee and a case note on this 2018 decision about Bolton and Stoltenberg or Stolten and Boltonberg or something like that, which has a similar issue. Um, Fairfax and vola it's going to be super important for those people who operate Facebook pages uh, to bear in mind that they might bear some liability for the comments that are made in their Facebook pages. So Michael, important for your clients, you're going to have to pay attention to it. And Gus, I appreciate the question as always, mate. And this is actually being recorded on Mike's podcast as we speak. So it's a nice meta moment as well. So that's good fun. And so I'll just tag you in this. Uh, I'll just go at beyond billables. And what we then have is me now being relaxed that I've done TikTok engagement for the day. So I don't know how long that took but I think it probably took about a minute, a minute and 10 seconds. Yeah. And that's me trying to um, provide some engaging content for people who think I'm interesting um, and that I can also just save and upload as an Instagram story. So anyone who likes me on Instagram will take the benefit of the work I've just done as well. And yeah. so to ask that, yeah. So to answer the last, the first question, la- la- the last question first, Q and A gives you a chance to leverage that time. So we are in the middle of something and and you can well imagine that it's also quite engaging. Michael, as you're, as you're walking to your car, Hey, Oh yeah. Yeah. How does marketing differ today from 2010? Yeah. It's funny. I remember back in 2010, we used to be all about the, duh, 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 and these days you got to make sure you get your butt, you get your dip, you get your dip. All right, cheers. Chat soon. Yeah. And that's the full extent of it. So the Q and A are hugely indoors, and then, The other two types of content I've got on TikTok are, I just find beat makers duet with them and do little raps, which are fun. And (laughs) no one likes them except me, but it brings me great pleasure. But then the most popular ones I do are actually trying to do a case note in one minute, one minute, 10. And I go through and meticulously do the um, subtitles as well. So I try to have a feed on TikTok that has lots of Q and A, Couple of wraps, and from time to time, a really rigorous case note that you can sort of follow through. And I give the citations. So, hopefully, we're sort of we're eating our vegetables. You know, we're learning some stuff. Uh, we're having a bit of sugar as well um, with the other fun stuff too.
0: Mate, so what's the feedback on the wraps? Because everyone mm. sits back and they worry about being themselves. What mm. you know, and what that means, and showing some of their own personality. And, you know, it's enough that a lot of us are quite perfectionist. Mm. And the truth is, for me, I haven't done much of that because I like to show up in a certain way. Mm. But I pay attention to your Q&As, and I've noticed it over the last couple of months just because mm. it's a consistency and and, and volume thing. So I, mm. I guess it's a long-winded way to say, how, how do you overcome the... Perfectionism versus pub publication.
1: I'm I'm very lucky in that I've just born 8020, 80 20, maybe 81, 19. I've got reasonable attention to detail for an 80 for an 80 20 sort of person, but I hate stuff being in my to-do list for too long. And if it's in my to do list for too long, I'll just be like, ah, oh, just just get it. Just get it done. And luckily I've engaged in hobbies over time that have supported that. So if you think about radio. You just gotta, you just gotta do it. You're on, you're talking right now. It's like, it's not a podcast. You go back and edit, you're on air. So just go. Yeah. And then similarly to freestyle battling, it's not sitting down and writing songs. It's saying, get up, start now and go. And then in 45 seconds, you'll have stopped and whatever happened between zero seconds and 45 seconds is what happened. And that's that. And so I try to embrace that approach with content because I don't make room in my head for the two draft videos that I mm, don't know if they're any good and oh, two minutes in, I got a bit distracted and I'm not sure if it's technically right what I said at minute three there, I just refuse to make space for that. And that means that there will be stuff that falls into the nineteen. And I have the confidence be it well-founded or otherwise to if I'm challenged, resist or back down, You know, depending on what I'm challenged on. Someone might say you've misinterpreted this case. I go, mm. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't, let's see. And I'm old enough and ugly enough now to be like, mm, yep, that's right, I got it wrong. Or to be like, mm, all right then, champ. <laughs> let's agree <laughs> to disagree. And then if we go to the raps, the raps was a challenge from your mate and I'm a friend of your pod, Finn Bowd. It was Finn who said, um, look, you've done music before. It'd be fun for you to do a little bit more of this stuff on socials. And I think it's like white, middle-class Australian men doing rap music is corny and a bit dumb, right? It's fairly dumb and fa- old, which is what I am. It's fairly dumb. And so there's an implicit degree of self-deprecation in doing it. Like, you know, there's a bit of a wink of like, look, I know this is a bit dumb, but also I think I'm pretty good. And and I'm like, I am, I'm pretty good. Like I'm happy with that full stop. I did not plan my rap career particularly well, but I'm comfortable saying I balance the self-deprecation of being like, I'm an old man doing stupid old man stuff with, but actually I'm pretty good at it. And it's somehow meeting that in the middle with, you know, whatever, you know, trolling or meanness people want to send. I'm deeply comfortable. Because I think you and I have gone, have, have discussed, I'm pretty comfortable going in or making a bit of content with someone who wants to, who wants it with me. I'm, I'm pretty relaxed about that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not at that age or stage of life where someone saying a mean thing is going to particularly get under my skin. And so balancing that 80-20 approach with the kind, you know, request from Finn saying people would like to see it and then kind compliments from people asking about it once you start doing it um, has just been me attempting to share as much of myself as I can. And that's sort of what I do, you know, um, And I don't want to get into too much of what we were speaking about off air, but I actually have like TikTok followers as well, who are really committed to the degree of my self-care and the extent to which I'm missing it. So people will be like, man, I don't want to see TikToks from you at this time of night. Like you look you look like trash, go get some sleep, (laughs) you know, love you XOXO. And, (laughs) and there's a degree where if you're open to people and being honest with the stuff that excites you and interests you, you are then often paid back in the kindness and warmth that people will return to you. Cause you're just showing up as yourself.
0: Yeah. It's interesting showing up as yourself, because obviously mate, you, you know, you show up to talk about progressive things and other things as well, which mm. can be relatively controversial at the, at the, the time.
1: You don't have to say, Michael, we need to smash the patriarchy. Equitable briefing needs to actually be taken seriously uh, the patriarchy is here to ruin the legal profession. It is your job and mine to smash it. You don't have to sit there and agree, Michael. I know you've got business clients who are listening but, and that's fine. We need to smash the patriarchy.
0: Well, mate, I, I, what I find interesting about that and your always, you know, strength of conviction is, is being able to balance. Because I know how legitimate you are and how you, you feel about it, Right. Mm. And, and I guess it comes very natural to you because you are who, who you are. And, 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 and so it's part of you to, to share on, on these things. Um, how, how do you encourage other people to share and be part of those yeah. conversations um, who might feel less likely to put their hand up, more held back by fears around perceptions how do we get people to actually engage in those conversations so it's just not me and you patting each other on the back yeah about those things do you know what I mean mate
1: there's this great Clementine Ford joke where she's like why did the male feminist walk into a bar and the answer is because it was set so low (laughs) which (laughs) which I think is you know a classic line for you and I to be like yeah 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 we get it we get it um for anyone who's having problems Um, with that sort of stuff, I might just sort of share my own problems and difficulties that I've only just started to overcome. Michael, you and I have been involved in X number of conversations, somewhere between one and a thousand, where someone who has power over our career is going to say something. And and look, the experience for me is almost always about the appearance um, or sort of sexual desirability of a younger female colleague, younger female employee. And you know, five years ago, um, my response would have been to just sort of quietly go, hmm, yeah, okay, man, uh, take, like take a sip of beer and change the subject mm-hmm. and just store that away and be like, hmm, blogsy's a bit of a bad bloke.'" And there's a degree of cowardice in that, but I think there's a degree where that's how um, privileged men can understand what the patriarchy is. It is those, those conversations. And then you can understand a little bit about what being an ally is where walking away from those conversations is one thing, not agreeing with people you know, doing that is one very small thing you can do, but appreciating that it means something to say, listen champ, uh, you're welcome to your thoughts on whatever the topic might be, but that's not the sort of conversation I'll be engaging in. And I don't think it's the sort of conversation you should be in- engaging in. And I'd encourage you to just have a think about you know what sort of chats you want to be having, yeah. And that's easy for me to say because I'm a fairly senior person, um, and I've got a bit of a reputation for for being out there on these things. And it's not easy if you're a you know grad or if you're four weeks into your new job and you know there are these uncomfortable comments being made. Yeah. But I think what I would encourage anyone in that very awkward situation to do is. Um, to reflect on how completely awful it is for our female identifying colleagues and our non-binary colleagues uh, to be attempting to do their best to work in a rough profession where that sort of talk is acceptable. Yeah. And, you know, yes, you might feel awkward and, yes, you might worry. I I get it. Believe me, I get it. And I have had my moments of cowardice in those situations before and I will probably have moments of cowardice in those situations again. But I'd encourage you and, and me in that scenario to do our best to say, no, listen, champ, that's not, that's not how it's done and you're going to need to reconsider that if, if you want me to think of you as someone worth doing business with in the future.
0: Yeah. Oh, look, mate, it's, it's so important. And I think it's – and we were talking about mental health before mm. com, coming on. And 100%. I think it goes to the – the importance it is that there are people willing to speak out from a from a place of um, privilege well from a place of privilege but it is privilege but it is sharing and it is difficult um because you don't want to be seen as you know leveraging that story or mm. but but then there are it's also really important that those stories get told mm. um And so someone's got to tell those stories and sometimes that just has to be you, Um, especially if you've got a passion for, for that. And, and so I think sometimes people worry about, um, you know, uh, you know, whether it's just signaling or whether it's trying to leverage. And all I would say to that is if you're true to yourself and if you have a real passion for sharing, Mm. then you need to, it's, it's kind of like in martial arts, Part of being a black belt is, is training other people to become a a black belt. But also part uh, of
1: being a black belt is wearing the belt. Well, it is like it's not all fighting on the mat. Like you have to go around and hold and hold yourself out of that. So you're, you're signaling like this whole, again, (laughs) this is probably not the place to get into it, but the, uh, the idea that it's bad to say, don't be a misogynist. You fuck with like i just i just don't even understand like i want to be perceived as someone who says that that is a virtue that i'm very happy to signal yeah. if you think i'm signaling that virtue great yeah i'm not merely doing that but yes i am signaling that and i think it is a virtue worth yeah. signaling
0: yeah but i i i know myself that i mm. sometimes won't say things because i'm worried about the perception Right, not about the perception of me, but a perception of me leveraging it. If I if I share something that's difficult, or if I share something like that. Well,
1: International Women's Day, shout out to Julie, best receptionist in the game. You know that like that sort of empty. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And where my point is, I I I, hundred percent believe that if the more we could share, like from. Mm you know, whatever those, those topics are, the more Mm. insight we get as well. Like, mate, I learned so much by you sharing those, those topics, honestly, like, because, you know, it's, and, and this is what always goes through my head when Mm. I want to talk about something that might be uncomfortable for someone else to, to hear. Mm. I just remind myself that I only went and saw a psychologist because I heard someone on a stage of a business event yeah, about so. adult ADHD so it was important for me to hear that story and it's hmm. important for me to hear you talking about the patriarchy and to hear you talking about um, privilege and and to question those things in in my head um, and so I guess you and the other point with social media is that you know the interaction, and you, it's like ten to fifteen percent of the audience. Mm. There's all these other people who really value what you have to say. That oh, can,
1: yeah. I'm sorry, but that's 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 advice you've given before that is so true. Sorry, sorry, Michael. I should I should have interrupted completely. agree. No, mate, no, no.
0: yeah. Um, so I guess you know the encouragement that I and you would have for people out there mm. to please speak truth. You know, to to these things, truth and to power in a literal sense, yeah. And don't think that um, that you need to be worried about perception or other things. Obviously, when you're an employed lawyer, you do need to manage things. And I've I've got a lot of discussion about the benefits of being your own boss because I can say <laughs> that I <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> and and but but you know, I think. All power to you, mate, and people like Finn. Exactly, like Mm. man, she is just so the best. I've got like Finn. Finn Finn
1: actually is the best. Yes, you know,
0: um, I just admire her and what she does, just so bloody much. Um, Mm. And um, you know, and and I I think a lot of people see that, and 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 I think you give people a lot of um, you give people permission then to be the next wave to step up and 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 say you know i'm I'm, you know i've support you james like this is something that you know we need to do something about maybe i don't know how to bloody do it but it's you don't have to lead from the front you can get in behind and be that support as well even the vocal support um and that means a lot to me michael thank you no man like it's it takes a lot of guts to get up there and um because I, I know how much it, you know, I've struggled with it. And I always thought, especially with the podcast, um, you know, it, it's an opportunity to talk about stories and to give people this opportunity. And for me, the tangible actual, you know, the the best podcast I did actually, you know, of in the last few years it was a hundred percent a podcast I did with someone and it had some of the lesson, lesson numbers of listens. And that mm-hmm. disappointed me, but yep. um, it was, you know, it was a survivor story um, from, you know, from um, a situation um, where he was um, yeah, a, a survivor um, from institutionalized abuse. Um, and we spoke about that now it's just so bloody important to tell those stories. Um, and for me, learning about that and having the opportunity to tell those stories and, and um, was like, oh, this is this is what I'm here to do, to be yeah. able to give, um, give people that platform. And, all, you know, whether it's Finn and we talk about, you know, all, all of these things. Um, yeah. And and I guess that's the position that if you're out there and we've talked some pretty big meta topics in the last 15 minutes. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What advice would you have for young lawyer, mm. older lawyer, law firm mm. saying, okay, I get it. Um, we've got to do something. It's not a box ticking exercise like marketing, you know, buy umbrellas, mm. get stress balls. Yep. Um what what are, what do they need to start
1: doing? Uh, I I don't know the answer to that in a macro sense. So for example, when you say the firm, I've got no particular good answer. I think in the real micro sense, um, there, there are real opportunities. So if you are, for example, a litigation solicitor who briefs a lot of barristers and you only brief blokes, the reason you only brief blokes may not be cause you are a misogynist. It might be because you want the best outcome for your client and You've worked well with Mr. Bloggs, Mr. Smith, and Mr. McGee in the past. This is a classic Mr. McGee matter. And you know, Mr. McGee is gonna smash it out of the park. Now, your job, your duty to your client is to use the barrister who you think is gonna do the best job. And so the problem here is not that you chose Mr. McGee. The problem is that you do not know um, uh, who um, um, Kelly Jones, who, who, who may not wish to be identified with any gender is. You may not know who Ms. Smith is. You may not know who Ms. Thompson is. And so it might sound a little bit trite or a little bit silly, but you might just have a, you might ask a clerk on the floor of the barristers chambers you like, look, sorry to be blunt. Are there any young female barristers coming through who I should have a coffee with so I can understand their practice? I'm, I'm building like, I just have six CVs of young female juniors who are between two to eight years and their areas of practice who I can't wait to send a brief to when the right thing comes in and so I'm not sitting here saying if you only brief blokes or you only instruct male you know building experts or medical experts or whatever that 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 you should be cancelled and you're a problem and an effigy of you should be burned um we can save that for stage two of the revolution but um I'm saying that There needs to be a proactive step and that micro step i say is frankly networking it's being open to having some of the space you've made for white men who look a lot like the people you went to high school with freed up for people of other genders regardless of what those genders might be or or people who who might not wish to identify with any gender to understand their story. And frankly, for your client's benefit to understand their expertise. The best forensic accountant might be the one you've never met and it might be one of a gender you were not expecting. And you will never know that. And your client will never get the benefit of that if you don't find out. And then even if Johnny white bloke, um, son of a convict who who married the daughter of a convict, you, you know, completely colonial background um, and you know, privileged as they come might be the best forensic accountant or barrister or whatever at all, but you don't know that until you've come to understood the shape of the whole marketplace rather than just what the shape of the rich white man marketplace. So you're speaking from a position of ignorance and that does not assist your client. And so you need to go out there and build your network and learn. And it's a challenge I'm in the process of accepting at the moment. And it's one that I'd encourage anyone else to go and try to accept as well.
0: Yeah. And, well, it's a good challenge for me to give more people a platform too, mate. <laughs> oh. No, in all seriousness, um, those are the, that's, you know, that's... Yeah. Go check out my YouTube
1: page, Coffee to Case Note.
0: <laughs> but, like, we need to... I love action. <laughs> uh, you know, I, w- I want to be part of the solution by taking action and being able to empower the act the action you know mm. so if, if if i can help give people a platform to be to be known um then you know all all the better and i think um you know and and that's a huge responsibility but look i, I think please keep sharing um because you're informing this privileged white middle-class guy from Queensland <laughs> no serious man like that's what I, I um I think that does sometimes you read things and you're like oh what and then you rethink um and then and then you challenge um and then you you make the realization you just have to be a big enough adult to not like take that first reaction um as Because obviously, we all see different things and we all hear different things and we take it within the prism of our own experience. Um, But actually, having the chance to reflect on it, that's why, like, you know, over the course of the last 18 months, seeing how people have shared and the difficulty to share their own personal Mm. stories, it's actually so much more, it's so hard for the personal story, so much more important than for others who don't, who can stand up first as Mm. well. To be so doing so. Um, so mate, the future. Yeah. Um where where to for yeah. um coffee in the case note, where to for James? And I guess um yeah, or what you know, what excites you about yep. the next couple of years? I've got really blunt,
1: selfish goals of I want to become a director of the firm that I'm currently an employee of uh, promptly ish. So I don't know when this is going to air, Michael, but we can, we can have a race against time. That's, that's a little unrealistic and silly, but I've got a fairly straightforward professional goal of uh, hoping that's in the, um, foreseeable directly foreseeable future. (laughs) That's a, um, that's a goal. Um, broadly coffee in a case note. Um, I'm afraid the goal is really boring and basic just to keep, to keep going. Like, it's been very much an experience, you know, I would not have expected it to be the sort of experience where, um, you know, uh, LinkedIn status updates I have about smashing the patriarchy are fairly successful. Like, it's sort of not what I thought summarising bits of corporate litigation was going to go. And, and I didn't necessarily think it was going to, those those two things were going to marry up particularly much. Um, And so basically it's just continuing to move forward. Like my, I'm extremely bad at setting goals. So, Keep keep going is basically it. Um, before, before we spoke, we spoke about that mental health checklist um, and the sort of goal, goal checklist. And for me, family one, uh, mental and physical health two, professional progress three. And just during lockdown, I've let two, the uh, mental and physical well-being slip a little bit. So I just need to go, get back and engaged on that. But uh, just taking steps forward in the right direction, whatever, uh, whatever Elsa or Anna would say about doing, doing, doing the next right thing I'll endeavor to do that
0: mate so what does that generally look like for mm. you as a, you know as a, a parent as a husband mm. as a busy lawyer how how mm. do you find that self-care uh, I don't
1: have a good answer uh, I've got some exercise equipment in the garage that's got just a bit more dust on it than I would like so that's step step one. Michael, you're you're a better training person than I am, but but I'm reasonably experienced using barbells, although you would not know it to look at me. And I'm not extremely weak, although you wouldn't know it to look at me. And so to continue on that path, to add a cardiovascular and a stretching element to that, which when children arrive, seems to be like the cardio and the stretching are the two things that go. And so uh, to stay on top of that and then to um, try to make sure I'm just mindful about mental health Drinking is one I want to stay on top of. You know, three or four alcohol, three days a week, and I'm obsessed with this alcohol-free beer called Heaps Normal, right. but, um, that I'm really all about. And so, for yeah. <laughs> for the moment, that's been a recent mental health wind to be like, oh yeah, let's crack open a <laughs> crack open a Heaps Normal to celebrate a good week. Um, but basically, it's just one one foot in front of the other and trying to be as mindful as I can about it. Um, I get fantastic support from my coach, Stuart, and I know this is not me trying to be an influencer for Stuart and and he will know how much support he gives me and that's very much the professional guidance, whereas um, mental health stuff, I just try to stay on top of too. And the goals just seem to arise and be quite short term for me and um, so i don't know when we speak again in a year's time i'll be like can't wait to become associate professor at some university i've never heard of um you know in the corporate law faculty or something i will i'll make up another goal and we'll see how we progress towards that in due course no doubt
0: well mate we could talk forever um but i understand that you're yeah.
1: Look, now that we've got started, Mike, let's really get into it. And let's really, <laughs> we've got the first hour out of the way and we can really crack on. <laughs> What's no, the topic? I really appreciate What's you the topic, you. <laughs> Yeah. Board games. Do you still play them? Top five of all time. Uh, top five recently released. Let's go. <laughs> Not happening.
0: Sorry. I'm more of a fortnight with my son kind of like, mate. And my daughter who kicks my ass. Oh, nice, 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 nice.
1: I'll have to follow that path with you.
0: But look, thanks very much um, for being on the show again, mate, you, you know, you have inspired me. You gave me a kick up the backside about doing video and challenged me the first time we met, which I actually loved. And, um, And I, you know, in, I just love what you're doing, what you're putting out. And I certainly pay attention. I'll learn a hell of a lot from it. I, I, you know, I've got so much time for your ability to, you know, speak truth to power and do it consistently because I know how much work it takes. So congratulations on that. And uh, we'll speak, hopefully I'll have a beer, in the new year with you, mate, when they open the borders. Uh, or, uh, we'll have to grab uh, a normal oh, together.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an alcohol-free one will be great. <laughs> be great. Michael, a pre- pleasure and a privilege as always. Really, really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Beyond Billables Podcast. If you didn't know, we're actually a brand and marketing agency that helps law firms, legal tech startups, and legal services businesses around the world. Our focus is helping our clients build valuable long-term brands and we do that through brand strategy, through branding and design, website builds, social media and content projects. No matter where you are in the world, we've worked with firms for over 15 years in multiple jurisdictions and we're always happy to chat. If you want to chat about a project, drop me an email at michael at or connect on social media. Thanks so much for listening to the show.